myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past Good evening and welcome to Steve Wraith's True Crime Podcast, where tonight uh, I'm going to be uh, asked a lot of questions by Neil Jackson from Media Arts. Good evening, Neil. Hello, how are you? This is probably the... Um, we, we don't even see each other this much out of lockdown. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's the beauty, isn't it, of the internet. We can, uh, we can link up like this and uh, you can ask me a lot of questions on various things. But obviously we've, um, we've been putting together... Uh, a lot of my old recordings with uh, Charles Salvador, formerly mm-hmm. Bronson, formerly Michael Peterson, uh, for, for the public to, to listen to and enjoy. The feedback in the first week has been immense. Um, what I'm pleased to say is that, you know, thanks to, uh, to, to my recordings with Charlie and, and thanks to you with your uh, fantastic media skills at Media Arts, that, we've, you know, we've got a few more and there'll, there'll be a few more coming over the course of the next seven days. Um, but, you know, first of all, I just want to say thanks to you for helping us with the project but i also want to thank everybody out thank everybody out there for um for the feedback it's been absolutely you know wonderful positive i've uh, dropped a letter to charlie this week to tell him and as i know a lot of people in the chat have as well and um i think personally although a rap over the knuckles is something charlie is, is is always likely to get for something like this i think it's painted charlie in a much better light and picture than you know probably the media ever have done and um i'm not sure what you think just by listening to the tapes neil before you get into asking oh. me questions but i think it's i think it's given a completely different perception on mr salvador I, I think it has as well i think um i think anybody who hasn't had any any dealings with charlie i think you know personally personally you know the only thing i know is kind of you know tom hardy's character in bronson and you know it, I mean, it's a brilliant film, but that, that's exactly what it is. It's a film. It's a work of fiction, largely. Um, and and I think um, I think what the tapes show is is, is a more human person, and, and also somebody who somebody who's a lot more at ease with himself, and and a lot more and a lot happier within himself. You know, a lot calmer. You know, he's focused on on the right things now. Yeah, no doubt about that. I think uh, his character comes out. I mean, I've been lucky enough, you know, like uh, numerous others to go and, and see and meet Charlie in prison. Um, and, you know, I know exactly what he's like face to face. And meeting mm. someone face to face is a lot different to speaking to them on the phone or, or communicating to them by letter. So, um, you know, for me, there's a friendship built up, not over the course of the last few years, but over the course of the last 20 years. But um, I'll uh, I'll not steal your thunder. I know you've got questions <laughs> and I know we, uh, I know we have people watching tonight. So uh, I know we will have people who mm-hmm. want to chip in with questions. So I'll leave it to you, mate. Okay. Well, the first question really is: I mean, you, you've you've alluded to you know Michael Peterson, Charlie Bronson, now known as, as as Charles Salvador. When did you first hear about Charlie, and what were your impressions at the time? I first heard about Charlie in. I would say 1997, 98. It was around that period of time when I first really heard about him, you know, in the newspapers about uh, this man who, you know, I'd heard of the Birdman of Alcatraz. This man was being called the Birdman of Broadmoor and, you know, that there was books that had been released with a, a local guy, actually a guy called Steve Richards. Who, um, who you know, I didn't know at the time, uh, but Steve Richards was was also the guy who wrote the, uh, the Viv Graham books, and um, I, I had an interest in potentially you know local crime and, and reading about local crime, and the natural progression from there was to to then pick up another one of Steve Richards' books. So he he was his he was his original manager, his agent at the time. I think Paul Edmonds, of course, had had managed him. Uh, you know the late. The, the late Paul Edmonds had managed him um, when he got out of prison briefly, but Steve Richards was the latest in a long line of managers, uh, and he was the one at the time. And yeah, I, I just I heard about the books. I'd, I'd read the newspaper articles about his prison protests. I'd read about him going onto the roof of Broadmoor, and and that's when I, I'd really first heard the name. And ultimately, then it was um, it was round about that time that I decided. 
to write my own book, I, you know, anyone who doesn't know that, I had a, a 10 year, um, you know, relationship with the Cray twins and the Cray family. I, I visited Reg Cray uh, in, a, in a multitude of prisons over 10 years. You can, you know, watch the, the Cray, uh, my, my time with the Cray's uh, podcast, which we've put up on, on the playlist. Um, but yeah, I went from, you know, went from that really and to, to, to wanting to write a book. And I approached a guy in uh, Felon, where I lived at the time in Gateshead, called uh, Steve Parnell. Um, he was a, a boffin. That's what I used to call him, the boffin. And he was he was very good with computers, very good at making websites. And uh, I was like a, a young doorman living in Tyneside. In fact, that's me standing outside the, the back of my old terraced house, uh, my first ever bachelor pad, I, I hasten to add, in Felon and Gateshead. And um, I was ready to create an image. Um, you know, I wrote the book. I called it The Craze, The Geordie Connection. Uh, which you can still get on the eBay page now. It's come out in loads of different formats. But yeah, I was ready to create an image. And I went up to see Steve Parnell and I said to him, um, you know, would you be up for doing a website, the Craze the Geordie Connection website? And he went, yeah. So I spent many hours sitting at his house, you know, looking at different designs, you know, putting up photographs, you know, making the, making the website. It was quite long and tedious hours doing it. Both, you know, he was doing it for me for free because he liked, he liked what I did. And, it was him again who brought up the the Charlie Bronson as he was then subject, and um, he said he'd been sent some artwork. He was corresponding with Charlie like I had with the Craze back in the day, and uh, that you know the stuff that he was getting was was fantastic. And it's the first time I'd really really seen you know some like Charles Salvador Charles Bronson artwork, and I was fascinated. I mean, it, to look at one of those for the very first time. And that's one that's in my poetry book, which we'll talk about later. Um, but you look at it and you think, wow, that is everything. It, it, it's very good. It's it's weird. It's um, mind-blown. It's intricate. It's, you know, everything that you think of with art, it's, it makes you think. And that's what art's supposed to do. So Steve had a couple of these. And one in particular was one of um, a cross um, with Ronnie Crayon, you know, Ron had passed away, of course, in 1995. At this moment in time, in 99, Charlie and uh, Reggie, of course, were both still with us. Uh, but it was a tribute to Ronnie Cray, and uh, he'd sent it to Steve. It was a fascinating piece of art, and I really liked it. I, I, I wanted it, you know, if, if truth be told, but it was Steve's pride of honour. He had it in a frame. So, you know, we sat and talked about him. He, he was a bit of a history on him. At the same time as he was doing my website, Steve Parnell was also doing Dave Courtney's. He was, he'd already designed Dave's. Dave's had gone live. Dave, Dave the old DaveCourtney.com website, mm. and um, he was telling us stories about you know uh, Dave, etc. As well. So look, it was it was good. It was he was interested in the craze. I was interested in the stories he was telling about Charlie, and that was that was really it, you know. And, and I never expected anything from it. I didn't have any desire to go and see Charlie or speak to Charlie. I did quite like the artwork, as I've already said, but but that was it. Um, and and then it was probably uh, about four or five months later, my website went live. Um, you know, subsequently the book was was read by Charlie Cray and Reggie Cray. They both gave it a thumbs up and the vote of approval. But the book itself didn't come out again. Um, didn't get published for about two years because. I needed to get it. I needed to get it. You know, you know, tidied up. I needed the uh, an author's um, an author's touch to it. So I worked with another guy to put it put it into a really good shape. And then we got a publisher. And it was a couple of years before the book actually came out. And um, in that time, though, I got a phone call from Steve to say um, I could do with a favour. Um, could you come up? Can you come up and see us? Now, the kid had done my website for free. I wasn't going to say no, so I popped up to see him. And it turned out that Charlie actually had a bit of an issue. And that was with Steve Richards, his manager. They'd fallen out. Um, they didn't tell me why, uh, but there'd been a bit of an issue. And essentially, because Steve at the time lived locally, he wanted me to try and get the uh, you know the, the stuff which belonged to Charlie, his possessions, off him, and get them down to somebody who was at the time living in Milton Keynes, who was who was going to take over the running of Charlie's affairs. So so that was it. That was my first you know indication that um, you know. Charlie knew who I was, but was also keen on, on maybe getting a, a little bit of help from me. The person who had asked uh, Steve to contact us, of course, was Dave Courtney. And it turned out that he'd he'd rang me. He'd, he'd, you know, he hadn't been able to get through, so he'd rang Steve. And I um, I decided 
yeah, I'll, I'll give it a go. So I got the number for Steve Richards anyway. I'd, I'd had uh, I had a chat with him in the, uh, you know, in the past couple of months about um, a couple of other things. And uh, when I spoke to him, he was a little bit aggrieved, as you would imagine. He mm. fell out with Charlie. He felt that he was in the right. Charlie felt he was in the right. Um, I did tell him, though, look, it's it's really not my argument. Um, I've just been asked to ring you up uh, and ask if you can, you know, potentially drop the stuff off. Um, we weren't aware of how much, you know, how much stuff this was, what it was. We just knew that it was letters, artwork, you know, various things which Charlie had, which he wanted back. Um, and that was it. So the phone call was made. Um, Steve wasn't forthcoming at the first attempt, but, you know, we got there in the end. And, you know, he dropped the stuff off at Steve's house. Um, I've got to say, I'm glad he didn't drop it off at my house. It was six huge boxes of you know, artwork, paperwork, you name it. It was Charlie's worldly possessions, um, all in six boxes. Um, a lot of stuff which was, you know, quite important to Charlie, uh, you know, stuff which he would never, you know, which he would never want to lose. His Kessler Award, uh, for example, which, uh, you know, is, is, is talked about in, in many, many books. Um, as I say, some some special artwork from, from many, many years ago. Uh, there was tapes, uh, which, which he'd recorded. Uh, there was music. There was, you know, you name it. There was everything in these six boxes. Um, they landed at Steve's house, uh, much to the dismay of his mum and dad, where he was still living at the time. Um, the next phone call I got was, can you come round and have a look at this and try and work out how we're going to get it away? Um, Dave Courtney, of course, lived in London. Um, it was impossible impossible for him to come up. So luckily, one of the guys who played for my football team was a what you would call a white van man. Um, and I ran a Sunday football team at the time. Uh, said, look, you know, bung's 100 quid. I'll do the journey down to Milton Keynes and back. Um, you know, pays for me petrol, gives us a little bit of pocket money. I'll do it uh, this week. So that was it. We got the stuff. Uh, we got it down there. And uh, a couple of days later, uh, I got a nice letter off Charlie just saying uh, thank you very much. You know, you you know, you you don't you know, you didn't have to do that. Um, you know, I like a man of his word and, you know, uh, hope to see you, you know, one day in the future. And that was it. I wrote a letter back, said thanks very much, Charlie. You know, no problem, and you know, uh, you know, at least you know, at least you've got your stuff now, and, and good luck with it. It was at that point that um, you know Steve had essentially had a had a chat with with Charlie backwards and forwards, you know, with with letters, and um, he he mentioned that he did uh, websites. He said that he did you know websites, and you know Charlie seemed to have an interest in doing it. I got introduced to the the woman who was taking over Charlie's affairs, which was a girl called Tracy. Um, as I say, she lived down south, and um, she seemed really nice. I spoke to her on the phone. She thanked me for getting the uh, getting the stuff uh, from Char- you know, for Charlie from Steve, and um, I just thought, great, you know, I've I've got a connection here. Um, my mind, I've got to be perfectly honest, was on getting a piece of art, and you know, I didn't ask for it. I thought, you know, if I get offered a piece for for me troubles that would be nice well that's what happened Tracy said look you know you've been really helpful um Charlie's gonna ping you some art up and uh that was that I got some I got some really nice pieces I've still got them today they're actually Michael Peterson drones as well which to be honest are very very hard to get a hold of they're some of Charlie's initial drones I've you know since shared the drones with Charlie when I've when I've sent him a, an email via email a prisoner and uh fascinating I've got to say, fascinating to uh, to get to, to get them, and um, they're very basic. They're rough. They're ready, um, but they are they are you know uh, you know one of those you know special special things to have, and um, you know be th- always thankful for actually having having those in my possession. Um, the relationship with Tracy uh, didn't last long. I've got to be honest. Um, there was a bit of stirring shall we say which is something which still goes on to this day and these kind of circles but um somebody somewhere was stir- uh, stirring the hornet's nest up it wasn't it wasn't good for for tracy she um in my mind she hadn't done anything wrong um i felt that she was being unfairly you know you know picked on and and uh, somebody somewhere was 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 telling porkies um but i couldn't prove it she couldn't prove it and because of that, uh, Charlie didn't want her to be involved with with his management anymore. He wanted her out of uh, you know out of his hair, so to speak. And that was it. Uh, she was gone. And within a couple of weeks, I had a phone call from uh, from Steve uh, uh, again, Steve Parnell, who did the websites, to say um, Charlie would uh, you know Charlie's 
you know, would like you to be his manager. He sent me a letter and expect a letter in the post. So the letter was forthcoming. Charlie uh, didn't want to go into his fallout with Tracy, which um, was fair enough. You know, it had nothing to do with me. Uh, but he was keen to discuss, you know, potentially me taking over his, over his affairs. Now, I had been involved with the Cray Twins, as I mentioned at the start, you know, and, and obviously we'll touch on that in more depth with uh, the Cray Twins podcast that will be, we'll be uh, starting again next week. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'd, 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 you know, essentially became a business manager for the Crays. I'd, you know, worked, you know, as, as an independent in the northeast. but there was lots and lots of people doing this up and down the country, all turning over a pound note for the Crays. So I'd, I had experience at doing that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, knew, I knew how to do it, and I knew, you know... What you know? What kind of things sold? The difference with the, um, you know, the Charlie Bronson as he was then story, as opposed to the Craig story, is the internet had evolved. So you know, it was easy. You could make databases. You had you could put a website up. You had a bigger reach. Um, you know, you weren't relying on you know pen and paper and a an envelope and a stamp. So you know, for for me, it was a no brainer, and I, I jumped at the chance. I said yes. Um, at the time in my own life, I was a doorman in Newcastle. I was working on some of the you know the, the hardest bars in, in Newcastle at the time. Um, you know, and, and, and working in nightclubs afterwards, burning the candle at both ends as a bachelor as well. But on top of that. Um, I was also uh, working at Newcastle United as the fans liaison officer. Um, it was a job which I'd been approached for, um, you know, because there was a lot of unrest amongst the supporters and, and between the supporters and the club. And I was asked to go in and work on board with, you know, with the with a football club. So, so that was another job I had. So, yeah, I, I, I jumped at the opportunity. I knew this wouldn't be paid, but I knew I would get some kind of enjoyment from it. So, that was it. Um, so that Charlie's, was, Charlie's, you know, when he wanted you to, he, he wanted you to manage him. That was purely, yep. purely financial. Really, it was, it was, you know, to to look after his financial affairs. Is that right? Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, it was to come on board and to help him, help him really, you know, push his artwork out there. You know, and 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 essentially earn him, you know, earn a few quid for him, but just look after him and. That was that was a no-brainer for me because of who he was, because of his status. I'd looked into him. By that time, I'd read a I'd read a book uh, about him as well. So I knew this guy was was big news. Um, but I also knew I could help him. Um, I think anybody who knows me and you know me quite well, I'm not motivated by money. I'm actually motivated by success, and I'm, I'm motivated by getting results. I'm motivated by putting me head above the parapet helping a particular cause, getting behind a particular cause and seeing it succeed with some of the ideas that I've put across. And and, and that's it. It's as simple as that. Um, monetary value doesn't come into it. If I can make a few quid, yeah, great stuff because we all need money, um, you know, to pay the bills and, and go and enjoy some of the finer things in life. But that isn't the thing that drives me. Money isn't my god. Success, I like to have, and I do like to. I do like to make sure things at work. And and that was it. Yeah. Look, we hit. We hit it off. Um. You know, he asked me to get involved, and because Steve had done the introduction, Steve had introduced me without introducing us to Charlie. He'd introduced us to to Charlie Bronson. Yeah. I um. I said to him, well, "Why don't you come on board and do the website? You know, and and um. You know, you can take a cut. I'll speak to Charlie." Um, you can have a cut of whatever whatever comes from the website, you know, sales, if it's t-shirt, if we do t-shirts, if we do tea towels, if we do shopping bags, you know, same kind of same kind of remit we did with the craze, mm. then you know, I'm more than happy to um you know to, to cut you in. I'm 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 a fair man on percentages like that. I'm, again, you you can testify to that. I, I'm not I'm not somebody who I'm not somebody who expects somebody to come and work for us and not get paid. So that that is the way that it that is the way that it went. And Steve was too ha- only too happy to come on board. So we started knocking the website up, mm-hmm. um putting the website together and you know for the first few months it was great. You know there was regular correspondence between me and Charlie we were getting on famously. Um, I was just past at that point to uh, to take phone calls, um, so we spoke on a regular basis. And um, you know, the phone, the first phone call was was bizarre because, you know, I, I'd never heard his voice. You know, and, and this is strange because with the craze, it worked the other way around. I visited the twins in prison. I visited Reggie and Gartry, Ronnie and Broadmoor. Um, and then, you know, got the offer of working with them. Um, so I knew what they sounded like. I knew what they looked like. And, you know, I'd shook hands with them, you know. And from my perspective, that was great. You know, I knew what I was getting myself into. And But then after that, you know, with Charlie, it was completely different. It was, you know, you, 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 do, you do some business for somebody. You get all of his stuff back. 
you give it to the right person, you get employed as the manager, but then you've not actually spoken to this person. So <laughs> to speak to him on the phone was weird. And, and obviously now, you know, the reason we're doing this tonight is because of, um, you know, because of, you know, because of the tips, you know, because of the, the recordings that we've put up. Um, that's what he sounds like. Um, he's got a great voice. He's got a, um, you know, it, it, it's very cockney for somebody who comes from Luton. But he's, you know, he's not putting the voice on. That is his. That is his voice. Um, and I just, I was blown away by this, this, this voice. And you picture, you picture the way he looks because, you know, I have put a couple of photographs up already. But you know, we we have this image of what he looks like. We know what he's, we know what his artwork is, and we think, wow, this this guy is just like he is literally a one off. Um, and that was it. We, you know, we hit it off famously. The phone calls were, you know, some of the phone calls were recorded. And at the time, it was very difficult to do that. It was something that was set up um, where he said, I'd like, you know, you know, I'll give you a bit of a heads up and I'll give you a word to, to say if, it, you know, if you want to record it. But, you know, very, very basic and tape recorder used and, you know, a microphone attached to my phone. Exactly how I'd done one conversation with the twins. I wish I'd done more, but I did one conversation with, with Reggie Cray like that. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't, uh, the one with Reggie Cray, I have to say as well, wasn't with his permission. It was because he was he was going to get me into some serious trouble. And I thought, I'm going to make sure I've got me back covered if, um, you know, if, if things go pear-shaped. Yeah. And um, I may well share that with, with, a, with the general public once we come to the end of these these tapes. But, that's that's a different subject matter, but yeah, I mean, you know, with Charlie, it was all it was all premeditated, and um, you know, from my perspective, I was, you know, I was just delighted. But yeah, it didn't last. It didn't last long, Neil. Sadly, well, that was that was going to be the next question. How long did it last, and uh, and what happened? There was a fallout, wasn't there? Yeah, well, whoever whoever upset the apple cart with Tracy. Um, clearly had it in for anyone getting close to Charlie. And I, I never really got to the bottom of this. Um, I had my own idea. There was somebody else who didn't particularly like me uh, being involved with, um, you know, the, the London scene, who I thought it was originally, but, you know, clearly it wasn't that person now, so I won't mention them. But it was somebody who was clearly jealous of anyone who got close to Charlie and who had a, an effect on him, who had a positive effect on him. And unfortunately, this has been a, a, a story that, you know, doesn't just doesn't it just happen with Charlie? It happens with a lot of people, you know, whether they're famous, infamous, prisoners, non-prisoners, whatever. Um, you know, if you're a certain person in a certain limelight, you attract hangers-on. And hangers-on come, and they come in all guises. And unfortunately, those people aren't always looking after your best interest. And that mm. is a, that is it, that that's ultimately what happened. I'll never know who it was. Um, Charlie may have spoken about it. He can't even remember who, who it was. And... From my perspective, you know, that was it. He, you know, he sent me a couple of letters. Um, the person involved had said that I was now still working with Tracy, who had been, you know, fired, got rid of, if you like. And, um, you know, from my perspective, uh, I was very disappointed. I've got to say, I'd put a bit of work in. Steve was... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. I've just seen... I've been watching all these messages come up and there's been some great messages, but but this last one, Bronson to manage NFC's last 10 games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah please, please. Bron Bronson to TXD, Bruce away from the stadium. <laughs> that would do. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it, it's... It was disappointing, and and then the letters that I got from Charlie, they weren't they weren't complimentary, um, they weren't very nice, and I was disappointed. I, I, and I was yeah, I wasn't say I was upset, but you know, me and Steve had put a, a bit of work in. We knew we were the right team to to get Charlie to where he wanted to be, uh, but sadly, it was it, it was all over. And fast forward a little bit, you know, I know you'll ask us about this later, but you know that. That visit that I had with him, that very first visit with him, all those years later, was it's the first thing we talked about. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll cross that bridge. But yeah, that was it. I um I ended up um you know not Charlie's manager, and that was probably six months. Mm. And you you did eventually reconnect with him, um, and I mean that that kind of began with you know um, book projects um, that that you and I both worked on, Art Art Attack, um, and that kind of began your reconnection i think is that right yeah i mean art attack is you know is a book which you know we 
you know, you and I have an immense amount of pride in. Mm. It's um, it's it's a it was a limited edition book. It sold out very quickly. Um, you know, we worked on it with a guy called Rod Harrison who was working with uh, with Charlie at the time. Mm. If I remember rightly, Mickey Nesbitt played his part as well in in some shape or form in the design uh, of some of it. Uh, I'm yeah. not sure what Mickey did. I can't remember. Forgive me, Mickey. But but yeah, we did that book, um, and it was but it the whole approach really came from Rod. Um, mm. I, I knew Rod from old. Uh, I had met Rod many, many times at career parties, believe it or not, that we used to organise in London in, in the 90s. And um, he's somebody who was staunch, who was loyal and somebody who, you know, speaks a lot of sense. Um, somebody who in the past I've, I've gone to for advice, somebody who is quite happy to give me advice sometimes if I haven't asked for it. And um, he's somebody who I would classify as a friend. Uh, and Rod came to me and, and, and essentially, um, you know, just talked about Charlie and, and mentioned Charlie and uh, it was when he came down to doing you know when he came down to do the um, came down to do one of Fred's birthday parties Freddie Foreman's birthday parties uh, we went down there um, it was uh, it was a, it was a cracking night you know it was me Fred you know Dave Courtney and um, we had you know we had it we had a, a, a nice a, a nice day and Rod came up to us and said look um, I'm thinking about doing a book um, with Charlie um, I'm wondering because you're into publishing now if you'd be up for helping us. So he explained what it was. At the time, I had a business partner who, I've got to be honest, wasn't too wasn't too um, comfortable, you know, doing certain books. Um, I always felt as if I had to go running to him to, you know, to, to bring ideas. I always had the connections and I always had the ideas, but sometimes um, there might be a no. And if a no came, then it was rather embarrassing for me. Uh, so with this particular book, I decided to do it with you. I, I remember coming to you and saying, would you be up for doing it? I know you've got the capability and the skills. Um, and that was it. You know, I, I, we mentioned it to Rod. There was a few few emails to and fro and backwards and forwards. And, um, and that was it. I mean, Rod was a huge help. Mickey Nesbitt was a help and, and me and you did the business with it and uh, yeah 300 copies sold out and unfortunately and I know what we're going to get in the chat can we buy it anywhere can we see it anywhere I'm afraid the only place you'll be able to get it is eBay and it's such a difficult book to reproduce for for, for, for something like um, Amazon Kindle you can't do it can't do it for audio books because it's it's artwork it, it's literally artwork bit of writing in there of course but it's 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 artwork, and uh, you know, from our perspective, it was an absolute pleasure to do it. It was another tick in the box for me. I'd mm. I'd worked on books with Freddie Foreman. I'd done Paul Ferris's latest book. I'd done the Sears Family in Newcastle. I'd done the Newcastle Hooligans book, um, and now I'd done one with 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 a guy who I should have done one with many many years before um, with Charles Salvador as he was then. Um, but in the meantime, um, I, you know, the, the the connection, although it came back with Rod. I still got the invite and I still got the odd letter. Um, mm. When Charlie married Saria, um, I was at the wedding. I got an invite. Um, and, and, you know, I was at the, the after party, Lord Longford's last public appearance. Um, I was there. You know, I, I've, you know, me and me and me, me wife to be at the time went down, and we, um, you know, we had a cracking day with Joe Pyle Senior, Dave, and and all of them. And uh, sorry, I looked beautiful. It was a wonderful, a wonderful occasion, a wonderful wedding. And again, that familiar voice got an airing over, uh, over the tannoy with uh, a wedding speech and a wedding song. So yeah, I was there on that particular occasion. But again, I wasn't like a. Yeah, you know, I wasn't at the prison. I wasn't that kind. I wasn't that close a friend. But um, mm. I was there. I hadn't been forgotten. Um, you know, and and when I when I brought me Jody Connection book out a few years later, of course, I'd posted posted one in. So you know, he had a chance to read that and and, and he enjoyed it. But um, but yeah, working with him on Art Attack, um, we owe a big we owe a big thank you to Rod for that. Yeah, definitely, hundred um, percent. I can remember Rod coming up to Newcastle and 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 talking about it with us to start with, and he brought all the art up with him and. I mean, the, for anybody who hasn't had a, a good look at Charlie's art, that that book has got some stunning, stunning pieces. And Charlie's art is fantastic. Um, it really shows a, a glimpse into the soul, I think, uh, and the mind. Um, so then you, you collaborated on a book called Words Inside and Out, which we can see behind you, behind you now, which is um, which is a poetry book, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is this is rather special and a book I didn't expect. To, to come out at all I've got to be honest I never thought Steve Wraith would have his poetry published uh, at all but again this this just came from a conversation you know with Rod and with Charlie um, mm. you know and, and, and Rod to be honest came up with the idea uh, you know he, he said Charlie's got a poetry book he, he's wondering if it would sell 
you know, would would it would there be any point in bringing one out? And I went, well, actually, I said I've actually written some poetry, and um, you know, that's when the that's when the conversation started. You know, we spoke on the phone, was an exchange of letters again, and and Rod again was was coming up with the idea. But inside is is Charlie's artwork, um, but his artwork accompanies some of his poems, um, but also covers, you know, and, and accompanies my poems as well. So it's a hell of a task for him because he had to get my poems like within the prison walls and then he had to, to basically do artwork to go with them. Um, I've got to say he did an absolutely fantastic job. Um, poetry's like artwork, of course, it's an acquired taste. Not everyone's going to like it. Charlie loved mine, and of course, if you listen to the um, you listen to the recording of the poetry um, mm. on one of the playlists, it was the very first thing that I uploaded uh, over a week ago. Now um, you hear me obviously reading a few of the poems, and you hear Charlie. But Charlie loves my poetry because it's so dark, and I think it, it you know it was a perfect yin to his yang with with the artwork with the poetry and. Just an immense amount of pride. Again, a limited edition book. This one, of course, we do have. You know, we do have some left. Um, you know, you can get that from www.badboysbooks.net. But it's it's something which I'm proud of. If it hadn't sold a copy, it wouldn't have bothered me because I've brought a book out with Charlie as an author and as a poet. And um, you know, he's done he's done the artwork and it's fantastic. So again, it's thanks to Rod that that book really you know became you know became a reality. And, uh, you know, from mine, you know, from, from my perspective, I was absolutely delighted. <laughs> Steve, Steve's disappointed we're doing this when the Manchester Derby's on. I left it at 1-0. I'm not sure if there's an update, Steve. You'll have to give us it. But, um, but yeah, look, it's, uh, it's, it's a fantastic book. And if you haven't got it, it's a hardback. Um, it's worth every penny. Um, if you get onto badboysbooks.net and buy it, it also comes with uh, a wonderful tribute to Ronnie Cray that Charlie did. It's, it's a special pamphlet, and that comes free if you buy it direct off the website. And, uh, of course, it is signed with a sticker by Charlie in there as well. So well, well worth a look. I think you've you touched on something there, which I, I want to ask you about. I mean, how, how do you... What how, The technicalities of, of corresponding to somebody, you know, putting a project together like that, with somebody who's who's behind bars, somebody who's not only behind bars, but who's kind of in a prison within a prison, you know, proper hardcore high security. How do you, how do you collaborate with somebody under those conditions? It's very difficult, and and again, you, you've really got to thank Rod for that because it was Rod who was used to doing you know used to doing projects with with Charlie. You know, he he was somebody who essentially pulled things together. You know, for for me for us. And, um, you know, it's it is getting more difficult. I think on one of the more recent uh, interviews that I did with Charlie, you can hear him say that they've cracked down and, uh, you know, on his on his artwork. Um, I mean, in the past, he was allowed essentially to, um, you know, to, to get, uh, you know, to get artwork out there that was signed. Um, mm. He was also asked, you know, he was also allowed to put out photographs which were signed. Uh, but unfortunately, um, you know, for whatever reason, there's been a clampdown on that. And that that is saddening. Not just for me, but it's sad for everybody out there. Um, if you're a registered charity, of course, it is good news. You know, you can you can still write a letter in, uh, request a piece of artwork from Charlie, put your registered charity number where the artwork is going to, and they'll do it. Ultimately, this has all come down to uh, one thing, and and that essentially is you know people selling you know selling the artwork on eBay. On, mm. on websites etc and and that's the reason why it's you know but what can you do you know it's never going to change people will always sell the artwork and and you know that's that's essentially what it's there for but as i said on one of the interviews for me um i do feel as if um you know i do feel as if this is a test if you like for charlie um i think he's going to have to go through quite a series of tests over the next few years um, about you know uh, you know to try and to try and get out and and that is that is going to be difficult for him. Um, it is it, it is going to be really difficult and, and a lot of people ask, you know how long how long will it take for you know for Charlie to come out? You know will he will he be coming out soon? Um, you know the, you hear him sometimes. I, I did hear him on another podcast talking about um, essentially coming out in you know in in this year. Um, do I think he'd be out this year? No, I don't. Um, I, I do think he might get some positive news when he goes to his parole hearing this year, but do I think he'll come out? I think it will be. I think it's 
it's impossible to come straight out from from the unit. I think what will have to happen is I think he'll have to go through decategorization. Mm. Um, I think the next step, uh, and I remember speaking to Rod about this, um, is to potentially go to somewhere like Whitemoor. Um, where he would, you know, then go into some kind of integration, be on some kind of landing or whatever. Um, then he would have to go from there potentially to somewhere like Franklin. Um, and then he would have to go through the decategorization. So maybe he's going from D to, you know, to C to B, potentially going to somewhere like Grendon, um, which of course we know, you know, houses, you know, any, any kind of prisoner, including, you know, those who've committed sexual offences, um, you know, and, and then potentially going on home leave. Which again is something which you know is you know is something where you know he's got to have somewhere ready to go to and he's got to have somewhere ready to, to go and live. So look from his perspective, um, you know he's going to be positive. It's how he keeps himself going when he's inside. But he needs to, you know, he needs to go through the um, you know the system really to get to where he wants to. So I've never you know never really looked into it until recently when I had conversations with people. Um, you know. There's always a first, though. Could could the government suddenly turn around and go, um, you know, we're releasing you straight into society? Well, you know, wow. If they do that, then that is a first, and I think we will all be we'll all be very surprised. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But but who knows? Um, who knows? It, it it's going to be fascinating to, to to see. It's going to be fascinating to to watch his progress and see whether you know whether that happens. Um, but yeah, that that's where we're at with that, Neil. And I think it was important that people. I think it was important that people knew that. You know. I think the point that's on the screen at the moment is is a really really valid one as well. I think you know it says um, for those who or it did say it's gone now, um, <laughs> but it was basically alluding to to the fact that um, you know when he gets out he needs to have some genuine genuine people around him because you know there, there's always that temptation um, and people wanting to you know wanting to make money out of him wanting to take advantage of, of him. Um, do you, do you, do you think he's he's got that that support network now? Yeah, he's got a lot of good people around him. I mean, um, you know, you just need to see the outpouring of love um, that, that there is for him on, you know, on the messages that we've had on these videos as well. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, there we go. Another thing from Jay Dartmoor. Not loads. People have been released as Catty or Cat Double A. A few, not loads, he says. Um, so, you know, it, it can happen. The people around him, though, yeah, look, he, he's got, he has got people who are there who probably have his best intentions at heart. There's probably also people there who might take advantage of him, but that's life. And and Charlie's Charlie's a big guy and a big lad, and he's he's old enough and wise enough, really, to be able to say, well, actually, I want you in my life, and you don't. We all live by, you know, we all live by, you know, our own mistakes, if you like. And that's 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 something that I would look at, you know. I get I get the impression he's a lot wiser now than he than he was in terms of that. Yeah, no, I, th- I think so. Yeah, I mean, look, age, age, age. With age comes experience, doesn't it? So I think there will, you know. But I do still feel that there will be people there who, you know, might want to take advantage of him. He's got to sort the weed from the chaff, and it just depends, essentially, who, you know, who, who's. You know who he's listening to at the time. Um, look, I'll be there for him. Um, I know other people will. I think one thing. I think one thing that you could say hand on heart is that there will be some people um, who will be found out when when he gets out. If that makes sense. So you know there will be some. Well, yeah, there will be some people who there's people who can say one thing on the other side of a keyboard um, or the other side of a letter um, or even you know on a visit, but. Ultimately, when they get out, and you've got a, you know, you've got a help a long-term prisoner, and and, and it's not easy. Um, I've I've seen it with many of my friends who've come out, you know, who've been in for long long-term sentences. You know, they're they're they're, they're a, you know a different breed, but they're also mentally um they're strong, but also they can be fragile when they come out. Imagine going in and and spending twenty five years you know, 30 years in a prison and then coming out into the into the daylight and um, hearing the noise, seeing the change. Mm. You know, so many different things have changed. And uh, again, that's why I think Charlie needs to progress through the system um, to, to, be, to be, you know, to be given that kind of training and, and, and help mm. to, to, and guidance to get back into society, yeah. Mm. The, the last time I uh, last time I spoke to Charlie was with you um, just around Christmas time, um, and uh, we were filming a, t- a documentary that Charlie's taking part in. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I have uh, just managed to download the uh, download the um, the actual trailer to it, and um, if I can share it, I will. But yeah, we we got approached by by Charlie to, to speak to Irene Dunro, who of course was you know was. 
Charlie's first wife. And, um, you know, we, we spoke to her on the phone. She wanted to get a book done. And, you know, when... You know, when she, which you know, she spoke to us on the phone. She sounded really bubbly, uh, really nice woman. She sounded as if she had a story to tell. And the first thing I did was pick the phone up to you and say, "Well, why don't we do a documentary?" So the trailer's on the uh, the playlist. But let's uh, let's see if we can play it. You all right? I'm down here, mate. We got you all okay. All good, mate. She makes a good sandwich and a good cup of coffee, so all good. And she's got a nice one. And she's all sorted, so. Fantastic. Brilliant, that. Um, of course, it is streaming at brighterbronson.co.uk, but you can buy some DVDs now on www.badboysbooks.net. So if anybody wants a copy of that, well worth uh, well worth buying. And they will be limited edition again and uh, will be signed, of course, on a sticker by Charlie. So if you want that, definitely well worth watching. But, uh, yeah, good, 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 that. And um, I know Irene probably is watching this. And, uh, you know, she's a um, you know, w- wonderful woman. And her book is coming on. We're hoping to get a book out for October this year, uh, and it's uh, it's very, very, very funny. Mm. We had a great day down there, didn't we? It was it was great. She makes a good sandwich. <laughs> so we've heard about all of these these books, a documentary. Have you got any more Salvador books or, or projects in the in the pipeline between? Yeah. You? Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect this one, and this one isn't anything to do with Charlie per se, but it's um, essentially it's you know it's a book called Bride of Bronson, uh, well Br- Bronson and Me, sorry, Bride of Bronson, of course, is the documentary. Bronson and Me is with uh, Lee Wortley, and this is by Lee and Paula Williamson. And of course, uh, as many of you will know who are watching, of course, uh, that is um, another wife of Charlie's, um, and a, a one with a tragic tale, sadly. Um, you know, she she passed away and, uh, you know, she was a, a beautiful girl. I met her on uh, three occasions. Uh, you and I, of course, Neil, were uh, at a wedding um, yeah. and, uh, you know, we were invited guests to that, which was, uh, you know, it was it was it was an interesting day, to say the least. Uh, <laughs> but 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 yeah, I mean, Paula, Paula had her battles. She had a, she had her battles with mental health. She had, um, you know, she she wasn't she wasn't in the greatest frame of mind, it has to be said. But um, you know, her heart was in the right place. She did everything that she could to, you know, to to, to ride the storm with Charlie as as um, as the wife. And, um, you know, it it just, it all got on top of her, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, she was an aspiring actress. She'd done well in, in Coronation Street. And, you know, she'd done various big, you know, big programmes and films. Um, but just sadly, the battle with mental health, eventually the drink and uh, and drugs, you know, it, it, it led to an untimely end. Lee, Wor- uh, Lee Wortley uh, approached me and Lee's written many books. Um, you probably remember him best for doing the Lenny McLean books back in the day. But um, lovely guy. He used to do a podcast. Uh, 
you think that some of these guys doing crime podcasts were the first ones to do it. Well, they're not. Um, you know, the first people to do uh, these podcasts were, you know, Lee, Lee, people like Lee Wortley. And, um, you know, from my perspective, um, I actually really, really enjoyed those. You know, I enjoyed going I enjoyed going on to them um, and, and I enjoyed listening to them. And they did some really, really good ones. And, and that's it. We, you know, we, we, we hit it off and um, he didn't forget that. And then he saw that I was essentially doing the, uh, you know, he saw that I was essentially doing the books. And um, he just said, look, would it be possible for you to, you know, to, to take a look at this manuscript that I'm doing with Paula? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. Um, when I read it, it was, it was, you know, it was exactly as I expected. It was a, a frank and honest account. Mm. Um, obviously had to double check to make sure that there was nothing in there which was going to potentially upset the apple cart with people. Um, no, I, I, you know, there's been one or two, I would say, people who've, been in touch who are aware of the book and concerned about what might be in it but there's nothing in there which I would say um, isn't true and isn't factual and isn't easily picked up in in you know media outlets shall we say available on links on the internet etc so look from my point of view Lee's done a cracking job um, he's played a lot of the incidents down uh, but it's a very good tribute to Paula the photographs in it are wonderful um, it's got the full permission of her family uh, there's a lovely forward in the book from her mother and um, there's also a f uh, also a little piece in there uh, from uh, from a, a you know a boyfriend at the time when she passed away. Uh, there's a tribute in there from Charlie uh, at the start of the book as well. Uh, but look, well done to Lee for pulling it together. Um, and you know, for me, you know, well worth a look. Bronson and me uh, pre-orders now available at BadBoysBooks.net, uh, and Charlie has agreed to put some stickers in the first 100. So get your copy of that now. Uh, that should be out in mid-April. Fantastic. One of the things that people always love hearing about is when um, when we talk about the visits to the craze, you describe them and you paint a picture almost of uh, of what it's like. Visit, you know, going into the prison for the first time, visiting these people. Tell us what a visit with Charlie's like, because you you do visit him now on a on a fairly regular basis, don't you? Yeah, I mean, COVID's put a stop to to visits. Full stop. The only person getting a visit at the moment is uh, is one of his sons. Um, you know, which is via a, a Zoom call. Uh, it's a half an hour Zoom call, and because he's family, he's the only person who Charlie's allowed to have it. Um, you know, mm. the you know, some some of his other family, of course. Uh, you know, he he doesn't speak to at this present moment in time, but. Yeah, look, at least he's getting a visit. He enjoys it. It's his first time using technology like that, which has been a bit of a buzz. But for me, yeah, a 20-year friendship, uh, yet I've only met him three times. And those three those three visits were all just pre-COVID, uh, 2019 into 2020. And um, yeah, I travelled down with, uh, you know, travelled down on my own down to Peterborough. Uh, Rod Harrison was kind enough to pick me up at the station. And then we went from, you know, then we went from there to... Uh, to pop and see a couple of our close friends and then, you know, travelled up to Woodhill Prison in Milton Keynes where we would meet Richard Booth. Now, Richard Booth is uh, the guy who's just written Broadmarsh. Uh, we did an interview with Richard a couple of weeks ago on, on, on the playlist, which you can find in the Bronson playlist. And um, Richard's a lovely guy, very talented guy, hardworking, uh, got a lot of, uh, you know, top contacts. Um a great guy for Charlie to be associated with. And of course, he's very talented. He's just written his first novel with Charlie, Broadmarsh. Great read. Got my copy. Read it from page to page. Thoroughly recommend it. We can buy it on Amazon. Um, and yeah, we, we sat, you know, we, we you know, obviously to get in to see Charlie, you have to be passed first and foremost. So the police have to come to your house. You put your application form in. Uh, the local police then have to come to your house to check that you are who you say you are. Then once you've been through that process and you go on the visit, you get down, you hand the visiting order in, which is sent to one of the guys, and uh, we get special treatment, preferential treatment. We have we have a further a further step across uh, the prison to get to, to Charlie, so we essentially uh, get get taken in first. And um, yeah, we we went through the the checking facilities, um, you know, a basic rub down, uh, shoes off, belts off, rings off, and um, essentially, you know, then through into the the main courtyard and walked across. Uh, walked across the courtyard. So what I find strange in, in you know, in Woodhill is you're walking through the prison. Um, you know, you walk through two sets of gate and you're actually walking across the yard. Um, 
Obviously, there's no inmates there, but on more than one occasion, I've been three times there when I've gone through Woodhill. Um, you can see the inmates having the recreation on the far side, and they can see you. Um, you pass the hospital, you pass the opticians, which is all in one building, and then you come to these little containers at the far end. And these containers are basically the CSC unit, which is where Charlie is kept. Um, you go through another set of locked gates, and you can usually hear somebody, you don't know whether it was Charlie or not, shouting down. It's usually one of Charlie's friends. Oi, oi, and, you know, Rod knew all of these people. Know that, you know, would know who was shouting down. And, um, you know, from, from my perspective, it was just mind-blowing because I've been to prison and I've been to Broadmoor and, you know, I've been to you know, 15 prisons, I think, visiting, you know, the Cray Twins, the Sears. Um, and, you know, to go into broad uh, to go into Broadmoor was mind-blowing, but to go into a CSC unit is something else. John Sears was Category AA. I'd been through a similar process, but never, you know, I'd been to, to Wakefield and I'd been to Franklin, but I'd never been to, never been to, you know, Woodhill, and this is this is something else. But I like containers. A lot of these containers are turned into modern-day bars these days, and um, that's it. You, you go through, you have to be searched again. Um, you buy it... I've missed a bit of actually. You buy your canteen, so you you have to buy your canteen in the main visiting area, um, which is empty at that time. No one is no one is having a visit. Um, once you bought the canteen and bought everything for Charlie, he likes you know he likes chocolate, he likes Doritos, he likes you know he likes pork pies, you know, and and you know you take that through. Once you've gone through with your canteen, you're then searched again, and then once you've been searched again, the doors open and you're into a room, and it's literally as big as an average kitchen. Um, and in it's two prison officers, two screws at one end, um, always quite welcoming. And Charlie's in there already, comes up, gives you a big hug. Uh, the first thing he said to me on my first visit was, come here, come here. And he says, have you seen anything of Steve Richards? And I was like, <laughs> I says, he's all right, you know, Charlie, he's okay. You know, and, and that was it. He, you know, we, we, he'd give us a big, he'd give us a hug and that was it. The prison officers just let him get on with it. And we... We sat down, there's three chairs on one side, a little table, put the canteen down, he's straight into the canteen. But what a great guy. I, and that's what comes across on the on the on the on the tapes. Mm. He's exactly the same when you visit him. He's got a great sense of humour. He wants to know what you're doing. He wants to know what you've got going on in your life. He wants to know what's happening on the outside. He wants to know, you know, everything about you. You know what I mean? He's he wants you to paint a picture of the outside. He does that a lot on phone calls. Um, there's a lot of calls where I haven't recorded them. I've been out. I've been out on my daily walk. You, you often hear him on the tapes referring to the daily walk. You'd be down by that river and stuff. Because I'm going to put a few answering machine tapes up at some point um, next week. But um, yeah, wonderful, wonderful stuff. And, and he loves you to paint a picture. And uh, yeah, on, on, on one of the visits, he, he got out and did some press-ups and sit-ups. And uh, he just loves doing it. He just he loves, he loves, he loves exercise. And that's part of his regime, part of his life. The prison officers, you know, they, they do like him. He, he's in a good place at Woodhill. Um, if the prison officers are like that at every place, which I know they're not, then... It would make it a lot easier for Charlie, but they are behind him in there. They want him to do well. They want him to. They want him to get out, um, and that that's a big difference. You know what I mean? He's. Uh, you can tell he's happy there. Um, my concern is when he goes to another prison, and the the preconception, the misconception, the misconception of who he is and his mm. reputation goes before him. That is my big concern, you know. And uh, you know, he needs to rehabilitate, but he needs to be allowed to rehabilitate. That is the key. So we come on to these tapes. I mean, how how long over what kind of period of time have these these tapes been recorded? How did they come about? And and Charlie, I'm right in saying Charlie Charlie gave his blessing for them all to be recorded at the time, didn't he? Every single tape has been done with his blessing. Mm. I mean, you know, the, you know, we've always had a little sign on a phone, you know, when when it's going to be recorded. And I know for a fact that I'm not the only person who um, has had that similar kind of relationship. I'm sure there are other tapes out there you know what i mean and uh you know charlie's voice has appeared on records the swell bellies back in the 90s um you know they got charlie's voice and you know on tapes i know i've been to you know parties you know where charlie's tapes got out reggie cray used to do the same where there's a will there's a way you can always you can always do something like that and yeah it might get frowned upon it might get a little rap over the knuckles but this was done with the right intentions and i think the one that i put up last night, I think, you know, you can hear him say, oh, well, you know, we're going to tell you about this. And he knows if I'm in the house, he knows if I'm out for me walk. And, you know, if I'm out for me walk, then that's it. He knows I'm not going to be able to record stuff, but he knows if I'm in the house and he's in the right frame of mind, he's going to, he's going to chat. 
and that's it yeah uh, and the last tape which will go up at some point the last time we spoke um i got the go ahead to put them out there so it tied in of course with with another podcast going out live allegedly uh, which of course didn't go out live is that the reason that I was told to, to put it out? Um, I don't know. Um, I haven't spoken to Charlie since that day. His, his calls are now being screened. And because they're being screened, he doesn't want to phone anybody. I did get a letter off him, as did uh, Richard Booth this week. Uh, people have been in touch with him. And from our perspective, you know, we know he's okay. And, um, you know, we'll continue to send some, you know, canteen in and, and continue to be in touch with him, you know. So, look, all's good. Um, but yeah, that's the reason we decided to put them out because Charlie wanted them out. I was going to sit on them. I would have happily sat on them and, and waited and, and, you know, given some instruction as to what to do. But from my perspective, he was happy for them to go out. And we've created something unique. It's, you know, some people have criticised us for putting them out in this in the, in this way, in this shape, in this format. But ultimately, we've had to, we've had to edit them, you know, that... We can't put them all out in their entirety because some of it's actually stuff we don't want people to hear, you know, like and, and nothing which is illegal, nothing nothing bad, but just stuff which might be personal details or whatever. I don't want certain things put out there, you know, from, from our perspective. So editing them is the right thing to do and putting them out in the format is the right thing to do, you know. So they're out there now. Um, they've had a lot of views. I'm sure they'll get a lot more. And, you know, from our perspective, we're delighted that we, we were the ones who were trusted to, to be able to do that. And um, as I said at the start of this interview, you know, it's a big thank you to Media Arts because without Media Arts, you know, I couldn't have done that on my own. Um, you've been a massive help, Neil, and, uh, you know, I'll always be eternally grateful for you helping myself and Charlie to do this. Thank you. Welcome. Um, so we, I've got three waiting to be edited, I know. How many more? How many more have we got to come? I know you've got three to be edited. There's one more tomorrow, so there's four. Um, probably five, probably another four or five, I think, we've got. Uh, there's certainly enough for another week. So, you know, from my perspective, that's great. I know we've got the John Altman wanting to come. John Altman was in the paper, obviously, recently against Charlie. Mm. The Battle of the Charts, etc. Um, but that was... You know, I helped Charlie out with that. I know John Altman well. So we've got Charlie's message. We've got John Altman's message and, and, and how that all started. So that's quite a that's quite a nice little one. Um, we've got a couple of longer ones, a couple of 12, 13 minute pieces, which are going to go out this week as well, which is good. So, yeah, yeah. Look, at least at least we've managed to do, you know, what we essentially said we were going to do, which was put Charlie's voice out there and uh, give him give him a right to reply and give him an opportunity to speak to the, the public and um you know, I know that there's so many people have written to him this week uh, who've listened to it, which is absolutely fantastic. You know, so uh, mm. you know, from my point of view, I'm I'm over the moon that 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 you know that in itself means a lot. You know, and I know it'll mean a lot, Charlie, that he's got all of these support out there who are all willing to uh, you know willing to speak to him, willing to willing to send letters to him, willing to send letters of support, and ultimately willing to send you know send you know buy buy his books etc. You know, I've stuck the uh, the website up there where people can buy the books. Um, so you know, get yourself on www.badboysbooks.net and uh, you know you know buy the buy the poetry book, buy you know buy the uh, the Bronson and Me book. It's uh, it's well worth well worth a read. Brilliant. Well, that's me done. I'm out of questions. Yeah, you, you've done a good job, mate. You've done a good job. I do want it, and I know what we always do. We what we always get is we always get um, asked for Charlie's address. So I did mm. promise that I would put it up, and I've just uh, I'd, I'd almost forgotten. But luckily, through the powers of technology, um, I've, man I've managed to get a, a copy of this. So hold on a second. There we go. There you go. If you want to write to Charles Salvador, Charles Salvador, his prison number is eight. 076AG and he's currently at HMP Woodhill, Tattenhoe Street, Milton Keynes, Buckinghamshire, MK44DA. So those who are listening on um, Spotify, etc., and iTunes, it's postcode again. Well, I'll read the whole address out. Charles Salvador, A8076AG. And then it's HMP Woodhill, Tattenhoe Street, Milton Keynes, Buckinghamshire, M for Mother, K for 4, D for David, A for Alpha. And uh, that is how you get in touch with them. Let them know you've listened to the podcasts. Let them know what you've uh, what you've loved about them, what you haven't liked about them. And uh, that's it. Uh, where's the Bronson interview? Get yourself onto the playlist. This was the live Q&A tonight. Uh, tomorrow night we start again with the tapes. So uh, get yourself on there.
Um, yeah, thanks for getting us on, uh, Neil. It's been great. We'll do the same again next week, but we'll do it. Um, we'll continue our chats about the craze and we, we move on to Ronnie Craig next week. Yeah, looking forward to that. And if uh, you want to join me, I'm back on in five minutes. Uh, we're doing a live Q&A with uh, the taxman from Hartlepool, Brian Cockrell, who's going to be talking about his new book, The Taxman of Teesside. Neil, been a pleasure, mate. Take care. Have a good night. See you later. Bye-bye. Talking to myself again But it's the only